Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. It is common for people in long-term relationships to get out of sync when it comes to sex. This can happen for a ton of different reasons, from changes in health and hormones, to relationship conflict, to stress, and so much more. No matter the reason, it's never too late to do a sex life reset. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. How to reset your sex life when sex has decreased, disappeared, or simply become less satisfying. We're going to discuss how to identify your current wants and desires, how to communicate those to a partner, how to build up sexual self-confidence, as well as how to start conversations about sexual problems and difficulties in a healthy and productive way. I am joined once again by Dr. Lene St. John, also known as the Mama Sutra. She is a board-certified sexologist, certified sex coach, and former professor of human sexuality. Lene is also the author of Read Me, a parental primer for the talk, which we previously discussed on this show. She also offers online courses on how to get your sex life back on track. This is going to be an amazing conversation. Stick around, and we're going to jump in right after the break. If you're anything like me, you probably grew up learning that the ultimate Valentine's Day gift involves spending a lot of money on flowers, jewelry, or a fancy dinner. But if you really want to show your partner that you care, skip the material objects and give the gift of pleasure. That's why I recommend checking out Beducated, a revolutionary form of online sex education that will help you level up your sex life. Their extensive library of courses will teach you new techniques, build confidence, improve communication, and connect on a new level. You can try all of their courses today for free, and if you like what you see, you can get 50% off the yearly pass with Beducated's Valentine's Day sale by using my last name, Laymiller, as the coupon code. You can also give your partner a personalized Beducated gift card. Invest in your love life and join Beducated now from just $8.33 per month. Check the show notes for the link or visit beducated.com and be sure to use my last name to get your discount. In long-term relationships, sex changes over time. Sometimes it gets better and better, but sometimes it gets worse. And the overall trend that we see in the data is that sexual satisfaction typically declines over time and sexual frequency does too. So the longer people are together, on average, the less sex they're having and the less high quality that sex is. So let's start there, Lene. In your experience of teaching and coaching people and couples about sex, what are the most common reasons you see for why partners get out of sync when it comes to sex and sexual frequency and satisfaction start to decline? With a lot of my clients, this whole discussion of desire discrepancy starts to bubble up. And where I hear it is often when kids are in the mix, not always, but often, but it also comes up with how we approach each other and how we touch each other. So I'll give you an example. There's one piece that seems to come up a lot with couples where one partner will come up and sort of like reach around and squeeze them, whether it's grabbing their breasts or grabbing their chest. And the other person might be like, oh my God, that's the worst way to touch me. I don't want to be touched like that, right? Like no context, no warm up, no nothing. That's like ah, big no. But for other folks, that's exactly what they want their partner to do. And so 
We've been talking about communication as being important, and it is equally important to be able to talk about the things that you like and you don't like as it relates to just simply being touched outside the bedroom. It does follow into the bedroom as well, but being able to communicate, these are the kinds of things that are turn-ons for me. These are the kinds of things that are a complete no. These things just, nothing is going to happen from here if we start like this, right? And when folks don't have the language to be able to guide their partner gently into, you know, I would love it if you would do this instead of saying something like, oh, I hate it when you do that, right? There are ways to have these conversations that can be more gentle, evoke more curiosity into wanting to do something more as opposed to something that just completely shuts their partner down. Yeah. And it's got me thinking, you know, the way that couples touch one another, right? The patterns of touch that are established. It goes back to what we were discussing in our previous conversation, where there's often a lot of touch that kids are expected to do with other relatives. Like there's that social expectation of a certain kiss or a hug or this form of touch. And I think in romantic relationships, we often fall into those patterns of there's this expected touch that's supposed to happen, but it's not the kind of touch that you want in general, or maybe it's not the kind of touch that you need or enjoy in that moment. And so that can start to lead to resentment because these patterns of touch are kind of compelling us to do these things that we don't want to do. And then, you know, even though the touch is present, it's actually creating this, this friction point, you know? So as much as we talk about, you know, the importance of touch in relationships, if it's not the right kind of touch, that can become a big issue. Yeah. If it's not the right touch, it can be just nothing is going to start from here. You're familiar with the yes, no, maybe exercise. And primarily it has focused on sexual behaviors. I created a a piece of that that focuses on non-sexual behaviors because having conversations about those things are just as important about the sexual stuff. And I find that for lots of my clients where desire discrepancy is in place here, Sometimes it's just the simple touches that they do in a non-sexual situation that just shut things down before they even have an opportunity to begin. Yeah, it's such an important point that, you know, thinking about if there's a problem in your sex life, is it actually a problem with the sex life or are there things going on in your broader dynamic interactions with your partner that might be spilling over and affecting sex? Because sometimes that's the key factor that needs to be addressed. So there are a lot of people out there who could benefit from a sex life reset. And you actually have a whole online course that you teach on this subject. So let's talk a little bit about it. Now, one of the things that you say is important is understanding and identifying your own desires. A lot of people don't really know what they want when it comes to sex. So why is that? And why do some of us struggle with knowing our desires? And what are some ways that we can go about identifying them if we don't know what our turn-ons are? Yeah. Uh, in that previous conversation, we I mentioned I've had female clients come in and tell me they don't know what their desires are because sex has been for someone else. And, you know, lots of people who are in those hetero relationships where women perform for a male partner, it kind of comes from porn, right? It's certainly underscored in lots of traditional porn. One thing I notice also with clients, with female clients, is 
there's a lot of power in knowing what you don't want, right? Kind of talking about this with these, with these non-sexual behaviors as well, but I'll give you one example in particular. I'd been having this conversation with this couple about what they want, what they don't want, doing various exercises in, in the coaching that we were working on and helping her to really discover what it was that she wanted. There was one exercise where she wanted her partner to just simply brush her hair. So they did that and she raved about it afterwards about the fact that she could ask for something that was non-sexual and get this wonderful experience out of it. And he was amazed at how simple it was that just brushing her hair would give her so much pleasure, right? So fast forward to they're out in the world doing their thing and they were having a, um, they had plans to meet another couple and she was like, gosh, I just, I really don't feel like meeting up with them. You know, maybe we could postpone and do it another day. And instead of her partner saying, no, we committed, we got to do this, you know, really kind of pushing back. He just said, okay, you know, we don't have to do it. And so instead of meeting up with them, they went home and she realized once they got home that she was really horny and she had not been horny in a really long time. (laughs) So being able to say no to something that she didn't, she didn't really feel like doing and not having pushback, she found some eroticism in her that she had not tapped into for a while. (laughs) So (laughs) they call you know, the next session we had, they were both like beaming with how excited they were at this discovery, being able to say no to something and gives you space for a yes for something else. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think that's such a nice demonstration of the ways that, you know, the things that are happening outside of the bedroom are spilling over and affecting what's happening inside the bedroom and in- including whether or not you even feel desire for sex in the first place. And so sometimes it's about making sure that your needs are being met, knowing that your partner respects and understands your your boundaries and, you know, is able to hear your no and, and be respectful of that, even when we're talking about something that is not related to sex directly, right? So it's so, so important. Seeing the joy on both of their faces in that discovery, especially hers, the discovery that something she didn't want to do really opened her up and figuring out like, oh, this is an important piece of the puzzle. It's very similar to the dual control model of arousal, right? Figuring out your gas and your brakes. What are your brakes? Why are your brakes applied? What are the things you can do to you know, start to remove your foot from the brake so that you can step into pressing the gas? <laughs> yeah, so figuring out what gets your desire going is important. And then also further figuring out what it is that you really want. So when you are turned on, when you are horny, what is it that's going to bring you pleasure? And as you mentioned, you know, some people just don't have a sense of that because sex has never really been for them. And so I think that's where self-exploration through masturbation can be very useful for a lot of people for kind of figuring out, you know, what are the things that that kind of get you going. And so when it comes to actually talking with a partner about your desires, we're talking about just other things that are difficult to express. I was wondering if you could give us some communication tips there because it's really hard for people, I think, sometimes to say what would be pleasurable for them or what they like. And I have a lot of people who reach out to me, whether it's sending me a DM or 
they pull me aside at a party after they've had a couple of drinks and then they'll say things like, you know, I really want to have more penetrative sex with my partner, but my partner just wants to jackhammer me and it doesn't feel good. Or maybe it's they enjoy the sex they have with their partner, but their partner just orgasms really quickly and that's always the end of sex. Or maybe they've got like a sexual difficulty and they don't know how to bring it up to their partner. I know these are all different things, but is there kind of like a template that you can share with us on just kind of how do you start a conversation about sex on a topic that is just difficult for you to address? I think boiling it down to be curious instead of judgmental, right? Like if a partner brings something up and either you're not sure about it or maybe you're uncomfortable with it, whatever the case may be, if you notice there's like a piece of judgment that's like, oop, starting to pop up, see if you can take a breath and ask a question about it. Like, tell me more about that. Tell me more about what you like about that or or what you want to get out of that, right? Like be curious, go into it with curiosity as opposed to this judgment stuff. And it's, it's an important thing to be able to talk about. One person wants to choke their partner and the other person isn't necessarily down for it, right? Maybe they have had experience in the past of having someone choke them non-consensually. And so they're a little nervous about doing something like that, right? Certainly, you know, hopefully it wasn't a traumatic situation where now they're in a fight, flight kind of, right? A traumatic response. Um, But being able to like take a quick breath and say, I'd like to hear more about what is arousing or appealing or tell me more about what you find sexy about that. And then that gives you some space to hear what their response is. Maybe they do have something that's really well thought out, like, oh, this is, you know, something I've been thinking about for a really long time. I saw this when I was, you know, blah, 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 blah. Maybe there's a whole story behind it to really hear what they have to say. And then hopefully you're in a situation where you can share your piece of it too. Like, okay, I had to really kind of dig into that. I wanted, or I wanted to have you dig into that a little bit for me because here's my experience. And, you know, if it wasn't the greatest experience, then they can understand, okay, maybe that's not something we start with. (laughs) So you can come up as long as you can talk about this stuff, right? All goes back to communication, having these conversations leading with the curiosity, being able to share vulnerably what it is that is your experience about it so that together you can come to a conclusion or come to some answer of what you want to do with it, what you want to do with the information that you have. Yeah, I think that's all great advice. And it focuses a little bit more on the listener side of things. So when you've opened up to share something about your partner And so I want to just go back to the part of, all right, let's say there's something you want to bring up. It's not normal for you to have these kinds of conversations in your relationship. How do you begin that path of normalizing a conversation about sex so that you can feel comfortable being vulnerable and bringing up these difficult and challenging things in the first place? Yeah, certainly having a tool can be helpful. And so having a tool like a yes, no, maybe questionnaire where you independently have the ability to go through and see like, okay, these are the things I'm interested in. I'm most definitely down for this. Right time, right place. 
might be something I'd consider or no, no way, not interested, right? Being able to have something that is a tool like this where it sort of removes the anxiety, the nervousness, the uncomfortable awkwardness to be able to kind of use that as a way to start a conversation. You know, it's similar to the five building blocks, being able to have something else that you can use that you can go to, to say, you know, let's do this exercise independently, but then come back together and talk about these pieces that we find appealing. You know, you don't have to talk about the nose. Nobody wants to be coerced into doing something they they don't want to do. But the maybes might be an interesting conversation. The yeses for sure will be, you know, yummy. (laughs) How do we make this happen? How can we make this happen? Kind of a conversation. Yeah. And, you know, something like the yes, no, maybe is something that would be good to do on a somewhat regular basis with your partner, you know, to check in every so often, because what we want, enjoy, desire, what feels good from sex, these things change over time. And so maybe you do that kind of test at the beginning of your relationship, but your answers might be very different in a few years compared to what they originally were. And this is also an area where you can use technology to kind of leverage sexual communication. There are a couple of apps that I often recommend when I give lectures on sexual fantasies in terms of how to share them. I don't have a financial stake in them. I wish I did because <laughs> I recommend them all the time. <laughs> all the um, <laughs> yes, but one of them is called X Confessions. The other one is called Own Your Sex. And, you know, basically they're kind of like Tinder for sexual fantasies. Own Your Sex is much more like the yes, no, maybe thing because you get three options. So you can say, yes, I'm into this. No, I'm not into it. Or I might be if my partner is. And so basically it's a way where each of you downloads the app, you sync your accounts, and then you independently take these surveys. And then the app compiles like what your shared interests are. So it can be a helpful way of kind of honing in on where do we have overlap? And it doesn't reveal the things where you're not a match. So in that way, you don't have to bring up something that your partner isn't into. So it can be a helpful tool for kind of starting that conversation. If you're feeling really uncomfortable with it, it's kind of letting the technology do the work for you in that way. (laughs) Yeah. If we have scapegoats, we can use them. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Now, another important part of resetting your sex life is reestablishing the connection that you have with your partner. You know, sometimes partners are feeling disconnected. And this goes back to what we were talking about with regard to touch is that, you know, sometimes people aren't getting the kind of touch or the amount of touch that they want in their relationship. So can you give us some advice, some thoughts on, you know, if you're feeling really disconnected, like how do you bridge that, bring that spark back to the relationship? Bringing that spark back can be really challenging when it's been muted or snuffed out even. Just this past February, a friend and I created a tool we called Chocolate After Dark. And it was a combination of sort of like the sex coaching piece was me and the recipe for the chocolate that you could make together was like the chocolate paint was her piece. We launched this product and I had couples contacting me saying that they were flatline. They didn't feel like things were sparking anymore. That just like things were just not going well. They had kids in the mix and they were busy with their own, you know, 
the same story that we often hear. And they got this being able to work together in the kitchen, right? Like, so you're doing something, you're having a bit of a unique novel adventure, making this paint in the kitchen, and then being able to do kind of like following the instructions with the exercise of like, where would you like me to paint you? Asking these kinds of questions and avoiding areas where they don't. It wasn't a sexual act. I mean, I think the overarching theme in our conversation so far has been like, so many of these things aren't sex, but they do relate to how we move about in the bedroom as well. And so Chocolate After Dark was this sensual experience that helped them talk and reconnect. And he said this was an experience that was hotter than sex for him, which, I mean, you love to hear that kind of feedback, right? (laughs) But it was like being able to kind of step out of that day-to-day, step out of the norm, find something unique and novel where the two of you can talk about, you know, what works, what doesn't, where do you want it, where you not, where to avoid and have this unique experience. It, that was one example, right? In the coaching that I do, we cover lots of different things that can help couples depending on what the situation is and what what has sort of stopped them from communicating, right? Lots of times I see when people come to me, sex is like the symptom of the problem. But when we start to really sort of scratch the surface, dig in a little deeper, it's one of the three, either intimacy, connection, or freedom. There's some piece of one of these three or a combination of the three is really what the underlying problem is. And none of those words are a euphemism for sex for me. Intimacy is that you're really close friends. You like each other. You enjoy, you know, each other's secrets and you still love each other, right? (laughs) Connection more than just chemistry and freedom is freedom from and freedom to. And somewhere it's usually one of those three things that is starting to, we're starting to feel disconnected when there's a problem with one of those three things. And so, yeah, I gave the chocolate after dark as one example, but there's all sorts of things you can do, but you really kind of have to figure out what is the underlying problem because it's often it's more than just sex. Yeah. So is sex the cause or is it the symptom when it comes to people seeking sex therapy? And it can be both of them. And so I think you provide a, a great example there of a way that partners can often kind of get that intimacy back that can then be the spark for sexual desire. And the core of that is just trying these new novel, different things, having self-expanding experiences, being able to see your partner in a different light, and also, you know, having that opportunity to talk, to communicate, and to talk about something other than just work and, you know, what's going on in your day. And it really allows you to kind of like be in the moment. And I think that's where a lot of sexual desire sets in is too often we're just going through the day totally distracted in our head. There's no opportunity for desire to even set in because our mind is racing, it's wandering. But when you can have those moments where you're really pulled in and focused and connected to one another, it's a much greater chance of desire really popping up. Yeah. I mean, we have apps and all sorts of distractions, right? So when we can be in the moment embodied, it's everything. It is. So resetting your sex life is sometimes also about resetting the relationship that you have with yourself, right? So we've talked about, you know, building 
that connection that you have with your partner, rebuilding it, if you will. But sometimes we also need to rebuild and repair that relationship we have with ourselves because we change as we age. You know, for example, you might put on weight, your body might change, and that can lead to feelings of insecurity sometimes that then start popping up during sex or that make it so that you don't want to engage in sex because you don't want your body to be seen. So do you have any advice you can offer when it comes to working on the self first? Because sometimes that's the thing that's holding people back from having the sex that they really want to have. Well, certainly working on yourself first. It's one of the things that When I talk to clients after they're coming back, let's say they recently broke up with someone and now they're wanting to come in to do a little work on themselves. We'll spend time looking at what are their deal makers and deal breakers, look at values, look at all of the things that if there are characteristics and qualities about a partner that they really want to have, what are those things? What does it look like? What does it look like if you see it in real life? Spending some time doing that kind of work, doing that sort of self-exploration. It's a lot of internal work. It's a lot of thinking through like what it is that you want, but it can have some real positive benefits on the other side of it. There was one woman who actually, she did a workbook that I put together that helps do just this kind of self-exploration. And she came to work with me with one-to-one coaching because she was like, okay, I did the workbook. I used everything that I learned in the workbook and created a dating profile for myself. And the person I met was a hundred percent match, like exactly the person that I was hoping to find. And now I'm in this amazing relationship and I want to deal with my sexual hangups. And so it's been a wonderful experience of helping her think through, you know, what are the things that are holding her back? Why are they holding her back? What were the messages she got when she was growing up? It's kind of like an onion that you have to peel the layers to try to reveal what it is that's there. It has so many layers to it to do this kind of work. And it's not just sex. It's not always just about sex. So we've talked a bit about, you know, resetting your sex life, and that includes improving your sexual communication skills, uncovering your desires, and rebuilding the relationship, the connection you have with yourself and with your partner. So let's talk, lastly, about people who maybe they don't need a sex life reset right now. Maybe everything is going swimmingly in their sex life. How can they maintain that, right? So I think we often like to think about sexual compatibility as something that you establish. And so maybe things start off really well, they're really hot, but you need to work to maintain that that sort of chemistry, that passion over time. So what is your advice to people for whom, you know, things are going well now and they want to keep things going well in the bedroom? I have one couple in particular where this was the case During COVID, they came in, they already had a wonderful relationship. And the time that we spent together, it was all about new exercises and experiences. And like I said, in the, in the last conversation we had sex as adult play and being able to be curious with each other, to be playful with each other, just not to be judgmental, to being able to use different tools, mindset, strategy, tactics. Like there's just there's so much in a sex coach's 
arsenal that like, I don't necessarily want to be on a person's monthly budget for the rest of their lives, but certainly all of the, the different things that there are to learn and do and explore and talk about. It's something I, I kind of like to geek out about. <laughs> so yeah, if somebody's already, if things are great, you know, I certainly do monthly check-ins or quarterly check-ins. I have, I have one client who quarterly likes to check in. He'll take a list of all of his questions over the quarter and he'll come to me and we'll, I'll basically be like his Google, but with accurate results, <laughs> good results. Yeah. So this is something that I think is going to be surprising to some people is that sometimes people seek out sex therapy or sex coaching when things are already going well, and it's because they want to keep things going well. And so, you know, a therapist, a coach can be a source of inspiration on new things to try and things to watch out for that might be a sign that you might want to address this early so it doesn't become a bigger issue. So I think when it comes to maintaining a great sex life, it's about doing those regular check-ins, not just assuming that just because things are really good now that they're always going to stay that way. It's going to require some work and effort. You're going to need to check in, communicate with one another, and keep trying those new and different things because we know that novelty is really one of the keys to keeping passion alive long-term. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Lene. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and get a copy of your book? Yeah. So thank you for having me. First of all, you can go to my website, themamasutra.com. Uh, my book's available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. You can find it on my website and get it directly from me as well. You can find me on social media really anywhere at the Mama Sutra, T-H-E-M-A-M-A-S-U-T-R-A. And the book is called Read Me, a parental primer for the talk. So thank you again for joining me and thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter, Justin Miller, and Instagram at Justin J. Miller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Thank you.